welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Maybe some of you need to do a sight fast, I don't know. I feel like I did when I had my cornea surgery. I basically did a sight fast, but not willingly. And uh, I uh, didn't see basically for, uh, it was more like 24 hours, but I had my eyes shut for like almost 72 hours. But today we're moving into the close of our Sacrifice Matters series. I really hope it's been impacting on your life. I believe God's been doing amazing things and a lot of you transforming some of your perspectives. If you weren't here last week, it was a grand slam. I would encourage you to hear it, listen to it. I know it will will really uh, impact your life. I always say to our, my, my wife and I say to the team, team of ours, I say whenever I talk about subjects like this, I feel like the most weight of God comes on these topics more than any other topics. Because when you talk about these things, it's like you're striking a false God in the room that's been worshipped and people don't even know it. And so there's power in some of the stuff we've been talking about if you take a hold of it. And just as we close out our Sacrifice Matters series, we're also going into what we do as a house to sacrifice for our city. We call that the holiday dream. You saw it part of the video news. And I shared um, a few, uh, several weeks ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, that our biggest partner, Toy Mountain, who for years has partnered with us and, and has helped us distribute, get, get the toys to us so we could distribute the toys, brand new toys to the families. It's a big part of our event. They pulled out like literally last minute without really giving us any forewarning. They didn't just pull out from us. They pulled out basically from a lot of the organizations they partner with because they didn't get enough toys this year. They didn't get enough donations this year. So therefore, they could not do what they normally do to distribute the toys to multiple organizations around the city. And in that, the, the, the ratio of price, the price tag of toys every year is always between fifteen to 25000 depending on how many children we service. And so, obviously, as you know, we also put money into gift cards and food, full thanks, not Thanksgiving, but Christmas dinners and other things that, that are come as a result as well to help families during a hard time. So this year, instead of doing the food because our partner pulled out last minute, we decided to put all of our investment as a missions fund into the toys this year and the gift cards minus the food. So everything is the same, just minus the food. And we capped it this year. Last year, I think we serviced like 1,600 people, somewhere in that vicinity. This year, we're servicing just under 900 people this year. But these are people that apply. These are people that register. These are people that, you know, are the working poor in our city that, you know, single moms with five, six kids that would not have Christmas presents for their kids if they didn't get support like this. And you guys are a part of that. So I want to thank you from the bottom of our heart as a team, as a family, for giving week in and week out because 10% of what we do goes to stuff like this. 
10% of what comes into the general fund each week goes to stuff like this throughout the year. And so you are a part of sowing into the city, but more importantly, sowing into people's lives during a Christmas season, during a hard season. So thank you. Give yourself a pat on the back. I want to encourage you, you know, one of the ways maybe you've not been able to be involved financially but you can get involved in your time. You can get involved with your gifts, with your skill sets. If you speak French, we have a lot of French-speaking families that come. We want to encourage you, as many people as possible, if you've not signed up to be a team member on that day, you still can. If you're in the lobby at the end of the service, you can go into the lobby and sign up at the welcome kiosk for the Holiday Dream. Next Friday, next Friday, everyone say next Friday, is when we're setting up at the Richelieu commu or Vanier Community Center. And we're setting up everything from 6 to 9 p.m. We're going to have an all-team volunteers meeting at 8 o'clock. And so if you're not able to come set up, at least come to the volunteers meeting so we can give you the information, get you connected. If you don't come to that, it's going to be too hard to facilitate probably last minute you getting involved. So I'd encourage you, get involved. It's one way you can serve your community through serving the house uh, on Christmas season. And then on Saturday is the actual day where we're servicing and loving on the people. From 8 o'clock, the team is showing up. 10 o'clock a.m., the event starts, and it usually ends between 3 and 4. So I'd encourage you, come out, sign up in the lobby. It's one way that you can give back to your community uh, during this time. This is why we exist, you guys, as a house. Not just to have church, but to do stuff like this. I hope this makes sense, and I hope you're encouraged. We'd love for you to join us. Amen. Today marks a 10-year anniversary for Michelle and I. Not because we've been married for 10 years, we've been married for more than 10 years, but because we've been doing this House of Hearts special, you know, above and beyond sacrificial offering day for the last 10 years, specifically like being a participant in it. And I, th I was thinking back from the last 10 years, first one, 2009, when we started to, to do this and started to model this because, we, I mean, we, we lived it, but not in an official way where we had this one day a year where we, like, went above and beyond. And, and I'm telling you, I could look back, and every year for 10 years, I can trace back the breakthrough, not only in the tangible things in my life, but the breakthrough in the intangible heart places in my life that have taken place in the last 10 years. I believe for many of you in this room, moments like these are game-changing moments for your heart. Game-changing moments for your heart. God does not care, listen, does not care about your money, doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And there's a reality out there that people have lived a life where money has ruled them and they have not ruled over money. Where they've served money and money's never served them. There's a big difference. And God wants us today as a house, I believe, to find that breakthrough in our heart. You heard some of the testimonies, and we're going we're gonna to continue from that foundation as we move into today's message. I do have a message for you. It's going to be quick, and then we're going to move into communion at the end of the experience during the House of Hearts. The kids are going to come in, and the families are going to have an opportunity to model it with their family to come at the front here and give their House of Hearts card. And so if you haven't got one when you first came in, I know our team will be available to hand them out again for you, but hopefully everyone has one. Once again, if you're a new visitor with us, you don't call this place home. This is not really connected. You don't have to be a part of this. No one has to be a part of this. We just get to join in on what God is doing. 
we get to partner with what God is doing and actually break through in our own lives. Remember, it's not about the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice. God's not looking at your gift and being like, wow. He's looking at what's behind it, and it's the sacrifice. It's the motivation. What did it take you to, what did it take you to get to that place? He's looking at that space. That's what's honored. I talked about this last week if you weren't here. Putting God first. For some of you in this room, that will be your step. Putting God first. Trusting God with your first 10%, your tithe, which the Bible talks about and lays out all throughout Scripture. For some of you, it will be your first time ever giving in your life. And that's awesome. And you're trusting God in that space. And God's going to work on you in your heart in that space. For some of you, you're giving above and beyond your normal giving. And it's a sacrifice and it hurts and you feel it. And remember, you think about it, you feel it. Because sacrifice, you feel sacrifice. It pains you to do it. But there's something so precious that God does within that space. I talked about last week about how the Bible is full of incredible truth on things like prayer and faith. It says that we, we see if we study scripture that there's more, more than 500 verses on prayer. More than fi- nearly 500 verses on faith. And over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Jesus taught more on money than he did on prayer. Interesting, isn't it? You know why? Because if money rules you, your prayers don't work. Whatever's influencing you in life the most will influence your prayer life. So if you are influenced in a healthy way and your heart is aligned properly, your prayer life will be affected by that. The reason why God addressed or Jesus addressed money more is because he wanted your prayer life to be a wrecking ball for the kingdom. Are you here this morning? We have to understand this as a foundation. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let me get one thing clear. Loving money is the root, not money. Money is not the root. Money is good when it's used right. It's the worship of money. When you worship money and money is your God, let me tell you this. Every time you fear like you're not going to have enough, it's a form of worship. Because God said, trust me, if I feed the sparrow, how much more are you? You're human. If I take care of the lilies of the garden, how much more are you? You're human. You're my prized possession. Every time we fear, we empower what we fear. You follow me? Every time we fear, we empower what we fear. And when we empower what we fear, it has rulership and ownership over us. And influence within us. We worship the God of money more than we realize. Everybody in this room goes through waves of it. Your hustle to get more and get more and get more and get more is a form of it. Your hustle should be, God, how can I bless more, give more, give more, give more, honor more, love you more. That should be your your motivation. Matthew 6 verse 33, seek first, put me first, my kingdom, and all the things you're hustling for will chase after you. That's what it says. My paraphrased version. These things will be added unto you. All the hustle all of a sudden now goes towards him and his purposes. And all the things you need follow you, chase you down. That's a promise from God. The promise from God. Jesus addresses this in Matthew 6 verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the word for money. You cannot serve God and money. The two things that we're always going to struggle with. 
doesn't matter how long you've been a spiritual believer. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for. This is something that you are going to wrestle up against all the time. The love of money is the root, right? What's the root? The love of money. All kinds of other stuff that we're struggling with are a result of the love of money, and we don't even realize it. The addictions, the things. We Listen, you guys. The root. If you go to the root, you deal with the fruit. If you got some rotten fruit, I can almost guarantee you we chase it back to the root. This was Satan's problem. This is why Satan fell. Pride connected to wanting to be the man. See, a baby's getting it. A baby's getting it. I want to jump into this. I want to dive really quickly as we close out this series in John chapter 12. Let's go there quickly. John chapter 12. I'm going to speed through this because of time today, okay? John chapter 12. I'm going to read eight verses to you. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. Everyone say Lazarus. The man, had, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared to Jesus in Jesus' honor, Martha served. Everyone say Martha served. Very important. Martha served. Okay. Martha represents our human effort. Martha represents all the hustle that we do to get approval. All the hustle that we do to make people like us. Martha represents that. Okay. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Verse 3. Now this is right after, remember, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. Okay. A miracle had just happened. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar, everyone say Mary, took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The feet was the dirtiest part of the body. In that time frame, all the dust, all the dirt, the feet, that was a lowly place. What did Jesus do at the Last Supper and the command his disciples to do? Wash the feet. It was a symbolic way of looking at the leader ends up serving. You're called to be a servant leader, to get low into the messy places. So this woman, Mary, she anoints, this is not Mary's, this is not Jesus' mother, this is Mary, a different Mary, the sister of Martha, a sister of Lazarus, okay? Friend of Jesus. Mary anoints Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. Verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, which represents, I said this last week, the love of money. What did Judas do to Jesus? He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. What put Jesus on the cross? The love of money. You Why? Because money, when it's ruling over you, will crucify you. When you serve money, you know what you get from it? Crucifixion. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So remember what Judas represents in this moment. It says in verse 4, Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said in verse 5, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Verse 6 says, not that he even cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. 
that this moment, there's something about this moment that's going to build anticipation. That if you give to this moment, you anticipate what's to come. Be careful what people say on the outside because they could sound super spiritual, right? Judas sounded kind of spiritual there, didn't he? Kind of deceptive in a deceitful way. In his heart, he didn't even rip about the poor. He made himself sound like he cared by saying, oh, what a waste of money. Why would you do that? Look at all the poor among you. You're not taking care of them. This is a year. You know how much that perfume cost? In our dollar? About $50,000. Just in one moment. This woman didn't have a lot of money, and here she does. She empties a jar of expensive Tom Ford perfume over Jesus' feet, $50,000, a whole year's of wages, a whole salary for a whole year. Why? Because he was worth it. Why was he worth it? Jesus was literally thanking God. Mary was thanking God for what he had just done for his, her brother, raising Lazarus from the dead. It was a thank you, God, for changing my world. Thank you, God, for answering prayer. Thank you, God, for changing my brother's life. Thank you, God, for being faithful even when I've been doubtful in unbelief. Thank you, God. Here, it's all. It's all. It's everything I have. I want to speak and honor the women today. Can I do that? Here, women, come on, shout. Give me some feedback here. Okay, there you go. If you're taking notes, write this down. Actually, look to your neighbor and say, there's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. I want to talk about what she did. I'm not talking about the 1998 movie that came out, okay? Because some of you are going to get some bad images in your mind. But there's something about Mary in this passage that we need to glean from, lean into, look to. But to really do that, I want to bring you into her life a little bit, bring you into her world a little bit. Another account of the same story is found in Mark chapter 14. And in verse 9, at the end of this story, when Mary pours out this, this perfume and pours out this, this uh, offering onto Jesus, at the end of this story, it says this, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, in verse 9 of chapter 14 of Mark, wherever the good news is preached, Throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Do you remember or do you know that you are more remembered by what you sacrifice than the success that you have? You could hustle all you want and achieve the success and on the way lose everything that's important for you. And guess what you're remembered for? Sacrificing the things that matter. Or you can hustle in God's way and be remembered for how you sacrificed. And when you're dead and gone, people say, that's success. You with me? You made the things that are important, important. You didn't make money your top priority. Because if you make money your top priority, let me tell you, you'll probably get there, but you'll fall really hard. It's the root. The love of money is the root of all kinds of nasty fruit in your life. And the only way you deal with the fruit is to take care of the root. And to shift your perspective from Judas to John. John, the disciple, was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a revelation of the love of God. And in return, he was the one who loved God the most. 
at least we see the evidence of it. We can't measure it so, so easily. But in the Last Supper, John was leaning on, on the chest of Jesus while Judas was getting ready to betray him. John represents the love of God. Judas represents the love of money. You with me? What did Mary do? Mary sacrificed. Remember, you are remembered for what you sacrifice, not for your success. Write that down. Success is like the trophy, and sacrifice is what we give up along the way to get the trophy. Did you hear that? Success in the world's eyes is the trophy. But what you're remembered for the most when you die, what leaves a legacy on behalf of you, is all the sacrifice that you had to move through to get that trophy. That's what's remembered because that leaves the most impact on the world around you. Your family, your friends, how you treat people. Who cares about the trophy? You could have a shelf full of trophies, but the way that you got there was dangerous. The way that you got there was deceiving people. The way that you got there was hurtful. And now all you're remembered for is a room full of trophies, but no long-lasting impact on people around you because how you got there wasn't good. The sacrifice that gives you the trophy is the most important part of your life. Are you hearing this this morning? It's the motivation behind it. One of the, the, the team members in our house, she, I believe it was last year, it's kind of foggy to me now, last year, yes, last year around this time, she, she died. She had struck, she had been with our house, our church for some time, a long time, and uh, as far as I can remember anyways, and she's serving on our team faithfully. She was um, in her, I believe, 80s, at this point, and she suffered and battled with cancer up and down, and then she passed away last year. I believe it was October, November, somewhere in that window of time. And it, Michelle and I did the funeral, and uh, it was a great celebration of a woman's life. But I remember I the, the week she died, I think it was the day before she died or two days before she died, I went and visited her in the home that she was staying in, and because uh, they wanted me to marry their their daughter, uh, her granddaughter, before she died. So she wanted to witness the granddaughter getting married. So I went in to the room, did this little marriage ceremony. And then I sat with her. Her name was Marie Richards. Some of you remember her. I sat with her. She didn't talk to me the whole time because she could barely talk. She could barely speak. I just spoke to her. I prayed for her. Just loved on her. Didn't expect her to, you know, give a lot back as far as, you know, sharing or talking because she just wasn't, a good, wasn't in a good place. And I remember it's really impa it's impacted me immensely this moment. And I remember I went out of the room. I was leaving, and she called me back in. She told her daughter to call me back in. I was about to leave the, the, the building. I was in the hallway. I was called back in. She said she wanted to say something to me. And I sat down. I got really close to her, her, her mouth. I sat down on my knee, and she said to me, she said, Sean, did you get my donation for the holiday dream? That's what she said. You know what I remember her for is her sacrifice. All she cared about in the last part of her life was what she was giving to something that would make an impact. That's remembered. That's impacted me deeply, deeply. Because you can have all the accolades, you can have all the stuff, hold it in your hands and say, look at the world, and show the world, and the world's like, yeah, you're successful, but what did you do to get there? 
What did you have to lose along the way to get there? Was it good loss or unnecessary loss that you're still reaping the negative rewards from? I remember her for her sacrifice, her giving, her contribution. She wanted to sow into the very event that you're going to be a part of next Saturday at the Richelieu Vanier Community Center, helping and loving the city well. To give us an understanding of what this something is about Mary. It's funny because I'm talking about Mary and I just mentioned Marie, but there's to, to give us the understanding of, of what that something was about Mary that I want to bring us all into today as we prepare for our House of Hearts offering is I want to give you three things that Mary did to get to this point of radical sacrifice, radical generosity. Number one, write this down. Mary sat... She sat. What this represents is she was an individual who, who is known to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. If you want to get to a place where you're radical in your lifestyle and your giving and your generosity, you got to sit with God. you got to put time into your relationship with God and learn and listen. Because he is the most radical giver, your, your giver you'll ever meet in your life. You can never outgive God. There's no competition. He wins every time. He's given to you when you don't deserve it. That's called grace. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. He's giving it to you all the time. He's giving you what you don't deserve. He gave you your marriage back. You don't deserve that. He gave you your kids back. You don't deserve that. He gave you your health back. You don't deserve that. He gave, he's given to you over and over and over all the time, whether you know it or not. He is a radical giver, giving to you, sowing into you, believing in you. When you don't believe in yourself, he's always pouring out kindness. It doesn't stop. It never ends. He's always pouring out kindness over you because he loves you so much. You can't outgive God. He's giving to you when you turn your back on Him. He's giving to you when you don't trust Him. He's giving to you when He tells you something and you don't do it. He's still giving to you. It's called grace. Luke 10, verse 38 to 42, when we witness this moment, it says here, as Jesus and His disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed Him. Remember, she represents effort, human effort, the hustle. Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening. Everyone say listening to what he taught. She sat and listened. She learned. She was learning. She was gleaning from him. She was taking from him. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I'll do all the work making the falafel for you? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, woman of hustle, your Instagram page is I hustle for a living. You are worried and upset over all these details. Verse 42, there is only one thing, everyone say one thing, worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. My life, everything that Michelle and I have lived and broken through in is a result of sitting under teaching, Spending time with God, hanging out with the right people, getting under the right influence so that we can grow up into all that God's called us to be. I thank God that over 10 years ago, even though we had lived this life of generosity, I think that over 10 years ago, I had people in my life even calling me to go further. 
I can't tell you how many times in the last 10 years we've literally emptied our accounts in sacrificial giving. And everything that we have today tangibly does not make any sense in the context that you were to look at our records. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Exactly. It's the God we serve. It will, faith never makes sense, you guys. It's faith. It's a walk in the dark. Your sight will not make sense of it. You cannot see clear with the physical eye. God wants to turn on your spiritual eye. But I thank God for moments where I've sat under people and I've been challenged to keep being generous when it makes no sense. And all those moments in time have become solid foundation from which Michelle and I have built our lives on and now are bringing our kids into. That's why our kids are a part of this sacrifice. They take out of their own money. I said, God, uh, I said to them, pray and ask God. I don't care what it is, what you are supposed to give into this to be a part of this. Because you need to grow up seeing the evidence of what sacrifice does, not only for your life, but in the context of our family. Some may say, well, they're not old enough to understand. Well, teach them. Treat them as though they're older than they actually are, and they'll grow up in God quicker. Treat them as a little kid in the spirit. Listen, there are people that are younger than you that are more mature than you. Because spiritual maturity has nothing to do with physical age has everything to do with spiritual surrender. If a kid at seven years old surrenders his life at seven, by the time he's 15, he might be more mature spiritually than someone who's older that just gave their life to Jesus. Age has nothing to do with spiritual maturity, but surrender every day over and over again does. You're hearing this this morning. So she sat, number one, she sat. This is what Mary did, which gave her that special something to get to this place of radical generosity. Number two, she surrendered. Everyone say surrendered. Surrendered. There's a, uh, in, in John chapter 11, one chapter before 12, where I, I opened up the whole message in, the one chapter before, it actually talks about the process of Lazarus becoming sick and dying. And I'm not going to read all the verses for you, because it's actually 44 verses. But I'm just going to read in pieces for you where Mary surrendered. Verse 1, chapter 11, John, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Skip over to verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Because the sisters reported to Jesus that our brother is sick. You need to come do something. Jesus heard about it. And his response was, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Let me just make a proclamation to you. Some of you are going through a death of sorts in your life. Your finances, your job, career, things going on in your kids, something's happening. It feels like a death, struggle. Let me just make a declaration to you. That struggle, out of that struggle... God's going to get glory from it if you surrender in the struggle. Something good is going to come out of the struggle if you stop, drop, and open up your hands and say, God, I'm letting you in now. I've never let you into my finances before, but now I'm letting you in. I've never let you into my parenting before, but now I'm letting you in. I've never let you into my career choices before, but now I'm letting you in because there's a death happening in my life. It's sick. The career is sick. My finances are sick. My relationships are sick. And so I'm finally surrendering. God has to bring you to the end of yourself so you find the beginning of Him. 
And if you can't see the pattern repeating itself, hopefully right now in this moment you do for the first time. That if you're at the end of something, it's your, it means you're at the beginning of God in that something. Because God's never been in that something. So you acquired all this with your own effort. Great. Good job. Props. It's time now for God to get some glory in it. Where you say, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't, I can't explain. But it's just working. Like, I'm trusting God and it's just working. He's a way maker. He's making a way. I mean, I sing at a church. No longer is a Christian karaoke. I actually believe it. He's a way maker. When there's no way, he makes a way. It doesn't make any sense. That's the kind of God that you serve. That's the kind of God that's here that wants a relationship with you. That's the kind of God that's been knocking on the door of your heart over and over and over and over again. And you're at a repeated pattern right now of death at some, some level. And it's the time now to let him in for the first time. I love it. Verse 5, it says, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Imagine that, eh? Think about it. They, they, guys, Jesus, please, you're the only answer. Come. He'll heal my brother Lazarus. He just said, guys, listen, my message back to you is that Lazarus is going to live. It's all for the glory of God. And then he chooses to stay two days longer. You know why? Because Jesus did not operate on a human agenda. John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus only did the things he saw his father doing. God had a plan. It had to be four days, disgusting stench. Everything was done for the miracle, the miracle moment to be evidenced for all the people around him. So they could not rationalize this resurrection. It had to be four days. It had to be bad. So he stayed an extra two days so that he could go resurrect the brother, Lazarus. Flip down to verse 20. When Martha, verse 20, this is our, our, this is our verse moving forward here. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. What was happening again? Mary's all worried, right? God's not going to provide. Mary's all worried. Where's, where, 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 where's Martha? Where, where, where's Mary now? She's sitting. She's in rest, right? See the, the posture difference? The hustle versus the rest, the trust. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha doesn't understand that. She's like, of course he will one day but not right now. Verse 29. Go to verse 29. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. Verse 31. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. Verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, what did she do? She surrendered. What did she do? She fell at his feet. Something about Mary, she just had this way about her. There was this constant surrender. I trust you. Doesn't make sense, but I trust you. Doesn't make sense, but I trust you. I've learned from you, and I'm learning from you again by trusting you. I'm surrendering, surrendering to you my life. Now, we know the end of the story. I don't have time to read it. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus goes into the cave or into the the tomb he comes he says Lazarus come out he comes out in his grave clothes he's resurrected now it goes to verse chapter 12 they're all sitting at the table having a meal together and that's when Mary decides to pour out this $50,000 Tom Ford perfume on Jesus feet 
There's something about, I believe everybody in this room can relate to Mary's life at some level. Because in this moment, when she surrendered to Jesus, it opened the door for a miracle in her life. And it transpired into and translated into a great sacrifice. Something that has been dead is going to come alive again in your own life. Remember for a second what you used to be like. What do you like now? Remember for you what you used to be like before you knew Jesus. What do you like now? What's happened in your life? Remember how your marriage used to be. How is it now? Remember how it used to be? Two years ago, one year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. How is it now? Remember the struggles you used to have? Are they still there now? Some maybe, but all? What has God done in your life? Has he done anything in your life? Remember how you used to not believe in God. What do you believe now? What has happened in the last 20 years of your life? Two years of your life? Five years of your life? Remember your financial situation 10 years ago. What's it like now? I remember mine. No income for six months. Got robbed. Had only enough money to pay my rent. Have a child on the way in the womb while Michelle's in the hospital with kidney failure. The doctor said to us, 24 weeks, she'll come out premature. She might not make it. Everything is going to hell, it feels like. And I'm in the hospital. I remember God saying to me, I want you to leave the hospital and go give in the offering. That was our house of hearts day. And God said, give your entire month's rent. It made no sense. On the card we wrote that promise would come full term. We wrote that we'd get a house because we were renting. That our financial situation would turn around. Let me just tell you, we came, we gave everything we had. Within three months of that, our whole financial situation changed entirely. And within six months, we got our first house. It made absolutely no sense, you guys. But I remember where I was 10 years ago financially. And I remember over and over again sacrificing when it made no sense and seeing God's hand blow up my life in a crazy way, I remember. Remember how your kids used to be. How are they now? Remember how insecure and fearful you used to be. How are you now? Remember how lonely you used to be. Look at the community that you have around you now. Maybe you should have been dead, died of an addiction, overdose. Where are you now? What has God done? So what can you do to give God thanks and praise? Let me tell you what Mary did. Number three, Mary, write this down, she sacrificed. She sacrificed her own self-interest selflessly to love and honor. She sacrificed. She put, verse 3 of chapter 12, she took a 12-ounce jar of expensive $50,000 perfume from the essence of nard and anointed Jesus' feet with it and sacrificed. Sacrificed. 